All right, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, and we'll be looking at verses 13 and 14 this morning as we continue studying the Sermon on the Mount. And I know some of you may be glad to hear it. We're reaching the end of the Sermon on the Mount after about six or seven months here. We're finally in the last probably four sermons that we're going to preach. And we've come to the end. Of, and this is the greatest sermon that's ever been preached by the greatest preacher that ever did preach the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And as we built to the end of this passage, it's kept building and building and building. And now Jesus gets us to the point where He's at the end of the sermon. He's at, at a very pivotal point in the sermon. And He's going to bring them and He's going to bring us to the point of decision. You guys know that. That's how every preacher preaches. We're just following the model of the master preacher. In every sermon, you build and you build and you build. Some build longer than others and some build less than others. But you build to the very end of the sermon and you reach a, a high point, a climax, a, a crescendo where you're going to call everybody in the auditorium to a decision that you have to do something with what's been said in this sermon. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's bringing every one of us to the point of decision. That you don't just hear what He said and leave like nothing happened, but you must make a decision with what He said. So this is, starting in verse 13, decision time. He puts us all on the spot. And we all have to make a decision at this point. And I've called this sermon today, Life's Most Important Decision. So let's stand together, we'll read these two verses, and we'll look at life's most important decision. And it is. This is the most important decision you will make in life. And this is a gospel-heavy message. So we're going to preach verses 13 and 14, life's most important decision. I think Jesus almost takes this crowd that He's looking at today and grabs them by the shirt collars and says, you must decide today. Let's read these two verses, very popular verses. You guys know these two verses very well. Verses 13 and 14. Jesus says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth them to life. And few there be that find it. Let's pray together, and then we'll look at life's most important decision. Father, we thank You for Your Word. These marvelous two verses. Two of the most important verses in the entire Bible. And I'm thankful today that I get to preach them. And that we get to hear them. And we get to be brought to the point of decision. We all must make this most important decision in life. What we will do with Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray today, God, there's, there are people in this room. In a crowd this big, in this auditorium, there's always someone who has not made that eternal decision to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that today, that as this word goes out, that you will, by the power of your Spirit, use it to bring those people to the point of eternal decision. And that they will put their faith in you. God, use this sermon today to bring people to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Life is full of decisions. Uh, I actually was reading a, a book, uh, an article on psychology this week, and it's funny that I come across this, but this, this uh, article said that we make somewhere, get this, this, this surprised me, and you guys probably won't believe it, I had a hard time believing it myself, but it says that we make somewhere along the lines of 35,000 decisions every single day. 35,000 decisions from the time you get up until the time you go to bed. That's a lot of decisions. I'd hate to be the guy who they gave that assignment to. You know, as I say, you go through the day and count every decision that you make throughout the day. My decision would have been, I ain't doing that assignment. That's decision number one. No. 
I don't want to count every decision that I make throughout the day. And at the end of the day, he said somewhere around, he probably guessed, you know, somewhere around 35,000. Uh, so we make a lot of decisions, and there's, there's really uh, three types of decisions that we make. We make everyday decisions. When you, get up, when you got up this morning, you made a decision. When your alarm clock went off, everybody in here, and I'm not going to ask you to tell me which one did what, but everybody in here had the decision of snooze or no snooze. And then it went off again after you hit snooze, and you had another option. Do I snooze or no snooze? And you have to sit there and think, am I going to get up? Am I, what am I going to eat for breakfast? Am I going to go to church? I'm so glad that you guys made the decision to be in church today, to bring your family here. You, you decided that this was uh, an important thing for you to do, is to be in church today. That's a good decision. Amen. There's people out there at home that made the decision to, to watch on Facebook or to just sit at the house today. That's probably a bad decision. We have other decisions. You have to decide what you was going to put on today. You had to, I had to decide as I looked in my closet, I have, I have an abundance of ties, and I go down through there and I say, which tie am I going to wear today? And I come up and made the decision to wear this one. I mean, you made a, that was a good decision. <laughs> you make a decision on what you're going to eat for breakfast. You make, I mean, we make all kinds of decisions on, on where you're going to sit when you come in here. You probably scroll through Facebook and you have to make a decision, am I going to like that? They give you so many decisions now. It's not just like or, or, or ignore. Now you have to have all these little emojis. Am I going to love it? Am I going to laugh at it? Am I going to cry over it? I mean, maybe you guys don't do Facebook, but I'm sitting there pondering. What am I, what am I going to do with this post? Am I going to scroll on past it? But these are decisions that we make. They're everyday common decisions. And then there's the, the important decisions that we make in life. And these are the, the big boy decisions. Uh, who are you going to marry? That's a big decision. Anytime I sit down with a couple, I say, this is the, one of the biggest decisions you make in life, so you need to, to, be, to be very careful with this decision. I've actually had two people in my office before, and I looked at him, and I said, do you really want to marry her? I, mean, I didn't mean it in a bad way, because I turned around and looked at her, and I said, now look at him. Do you really want to marry that guy? I mean, look at him. I make them look at each other. Do you really want to do this? I mean, this is, this is a big decision. Who are you going to marry? Where are you going to live? Where are you going to go to work? These are big decisions. Where are you going to go to church? I tell you that, that's one of the big boy decisions in life. Man. You can't just say, I want to just uh, go to any church. You have to, it's a big decision. So these are big decisions. Life is determined by these little decisions that we make. It'll make you or break you, these decisions. So you need to be wise and make good decisions in life. But as you see the everyday decisions and you see the important decisions, I want to show you life's biggest decisions. And it's only one, one thing here. It's not every day. It's not the essential. This is the eternal decision. This is the biggest one you'll ever make. This is the most important decision that you will ever have in life. It is a decision that determines not just your life. It will, but also your eternity. Life is just a vapor that's passing away. I like to call life just a steam that's coming up off my coffee. It's just steam that is, as you pour it, it's hot. But just a few seconds later, it's gone. It's nowhere to be found. That's how fast life passes you by. And then you're going to go into eternity. And that is a long, long time. So this decision affects not only this vapor of a life that you live, but the eternity that you will have after you die. That's why it's life's biggest decision. And this decision is, what will you do with the Lord Jesus Christ? That is life's most important decision. What will you do with the Lord Jesus Christ? This decision has eternal consequences. It is a decision that we all must make. It's a decision that we all will make by the time we die. What will we do with the Lord Jesus Christ? 
And I want to say this. This is the main point of the sermon. The greatest decision that you will ever make is to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd say that if you haven't done that today, there's probably a hundred people in here that can testify and raise a hand and say that the greatest decision I ever made was to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll say this, if I had 10,000 lives to live, I'd live them all for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where Jesus is bringing us here to in the Sermon on the Mount. He's calling all these listeners and all of us within the sound of my voice to believe on Him. If you look down there with me at this sermon, we've, we've followed it for two or three chapters now. And He's put every single one of us in our place. He's not called us to be good people. He's told us that we are bad people. None of us can live up to these expectations. We've all fallen short. We're all sinners. We all need a Savior. And Jesus has made that abundantly clear in three chapters. If you've walked out of this sermon thinking, I'm doing okay. I haven't. Every one of these sermons I'm sitting there looking at, I'm doing bad. I'm a bad person. I'm a bad man. I'm a sinner. And it's bringing us all to that point of decision where we're going to say, I need a Savior. And He's bringing us to that point in verses 13 and 14. And now He's showing us the options in front of us. I love this. I did that with Christian yesterday. I had him sitting there in front of me and he was being mean. Seems like every day, every Sunday I'm bringing you an illustration about my boys being mean. <laughs> That's life with boys. And, and I'm sitting there and he's being mean and I'm grounding him from the things he loves to do. And I gave him options. I looked at Christian and I said, hey buddy, here's your options. And don't you love options? I said, in this hand, you'd be good. And you get to play your games and do what you want to do. And in this hand, you be mean. You be, you be hateful to your sister and you don't mind me. And you don't get to do what you want to do. Your game is gone. I hide your controllers where you can't find them. I said, which one do you want? He said, Dad, that's an easy decision. I said, well, go and make the right decision and be good. And that's what Jesus is doing for us today. He's putting, uh, giving us options. And I want to show you just, just at the end, all the way through the rest of chapter 7, look what He does. He gives us two gates. He gives us two destinations. He gives us two trees with two types of fruit. He gives us two foundations. He gives us two builders. He gives us two results. It, the rest of the chapter is just a comparison between the options that we have in life. There's two. And then He'll look at us and say, choose wisely. It's like Moses, I think, in Deuteronomy 30. He said, I said before you, life and death. Choose life. So he gives us these choices to make. He, does, he says, here's life's most, the biggest decision in life, and here's your options. Here's your choices. Here, here's, it's A and B. It's one or two. You've got to choose one or the other. And he's going to lay these out in front of us here today. And I love that he brings us to that point of decision. It's one way or the other. It's final answer. And you must decide that today for yourselves. Which one you will go. Which one you will do. So I'm going to lay before you two things today. And I want you to choose which one you want. Jesus lays this before us. And if you haven't made your decision yet, I'm going to call you to decision. Because the greatest decision you will ever make in life is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at this today. This choice, this invitation for all of us today. Starting with point number one, I want to show you two directions that you can go. There's two directions that you can go in life. And he lays these out for us here. Notice that it says in verse 13 and 14, there's two directions to go. Verse 13, he says, I want to show you the two. 
enter ye in at the, the straight gate. So you see a straight gate and you see a wide gate. You see a, 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 a narrow way and a, and a broad way. There's, there's two of these. There's two gates and there's two ways. There's a, the broad and there's the narrow. There, there, and he lays these out before us. These are two entrances, two, two doors. And they're side by side to each other. And he sets them in front of us. And these are two different directions that we can go in life. These are two, I'll say this, two entrances to eternity. And they're laid out in front of us. Two ways to go, two lives to live. And there's only two. There's not a thousand different directions we can go. There's not a million different directions we can go. There's not ten different directions we can go. There are only two directions we can go. There's only two entrances into eternity that He sets in front of us. And many are confused on this. They think there's many roads that we can go. I mean, you hear that all the time today. There's many roads to God. Two ways we can go and only two. Jesus lays out two entrances into eternity. And both, get this, this is the, the danger of them. Both of them say heaven. Both of them say kingdom of God. Both of them say it gets us to God. Nobody tries to sell hell. No false religion is going to say come to our church and come to hell as a result of it. No, no, all of these religions, all the directions we go, 99% of our society think they're going to go to heaven. And, and, and there's only two ways. So they're, they're not labeled. They're labeled heaven. They've got to be very careful with this. This is what makes it dangerous. So we have to look at both ways. All of us do. And we have to examine it. We have to compare it. And to make sure we're on the right road. Because most of society is on the wrong road. And going the wrong way. Amen. There may be people in this room today that you're going on the wrong road and you don't even know it. There's nothing more important than us examining these two ways, these two directions. So let's look at them. The first one is, is called the, the straight gate or also the, the narrow. You see that in verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. And then verse 14, it says it again, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way. So door number one is the narrow way. And we've all heard of the narrow way. You hear people talk about that all the time. He, they're on the straight and narrow. And, and, and I'll tell you what those words mean before I describe it to you. But the straight and narrow means small. It means confined. It means tight. It means constricted. It means tiny. It's the smallest crack that you can go through. In that time, they would think it would be like a crevice between two rock mountains. That you'd have, you'd have two mountains side by side and there'd be a little tiny crevice that you'd have to try to work your way through to get to the other side. Do you understand what I'm saying? They, they, they knew they had to get to the other side and they, they would find this straight way or this, this narrow way and they'd have to work their way through it to get to the other side. I'll compare it to this. The other day I had to get under my house. And it was not a broad way underneath my house. It was a straight way, a narrow way. It was a confined way. It was a claustrophobic way. Now when I opened that up, I looked at Steph and I said, you're smaller than me, you go. <laughs> I said, you know, come on, buddy. Flashlight, get it. You know, he's 5'2", 105 pounds. I'm not. There I am, I don't even have a flashlight. I got the flashlight on my phone. I'm sitting there crawling, you know, digging in the dirt, trying to get underneath my house. It was a straight way. 
It was a narrow way. It was a tiny way. It was a restricted way. You get underneath the house, and it's very restricted. It's very, you feel like it's just getting tinier and tinier the, the more you go. That's what this is talking about. Very constricted way. Between a rock and a hard place, you're trying to get your way through. And then the other way is called the broad way. And I think you guys know this one. I don't really have to describe it. It's not trying to get underneath your house. It's walking into a gymnasium. It's broad. It's open. It's, 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 uh, has all kinds of room. It's humongous. Do you see the difference between the two ways? One way is tiny. I mean, you can go ahead and make up your mind now. Which way would you rather go? The tiny, restrictive way or the open and the broad way where anybody can go? You say, I need more description, okay? Let's show you what these mean. Let's compare these two entrances into eternity. I'm going to set them side by side. The broad way is inclusive. The broad way is so open and, and, and so broad and wide that it includes, it'll take every religion that there is. It's inclusive in that it'll take no religion. You, you can go through this gate no matter what religion you are. If you're, if you're a Muslim, yeah, you can go that way. If you're a Hindu, you can go that way. If you're Buddhist, you can go that way. If you're atheist, you can go that way. If you're agnostic and you really don't know what you know or what's out there, you can go that way. If you just don't care at all, it's the broad way. It's, it's the way of false religion. It's the way of hypocritical religion. It's the way of Muhammad. It's the way of Buddha. It's the way of believe whatever you want to believe. And everybody's all alright and everybody's okay. Everybody can just go that way. The door is wide open. It's tolerant. It's open-minded. This is the way everybody's going. It's the new age. It's the door that says all roads lead to God. It's the broad way. I mean, the door is wide open for everybody. Very inclusive. And the narrow way Exclusive. Notice what it says about the narrow way. Enter ye in at the straight gate. You see the the in front of that? It doesn't say the broad way, does it? It says the straight. And then now verse 14, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way. It means there's only one. It's exclusive. It's the. It's not one of many. It's not a way. It is the way. It's, it's so narrow. It's so tiny. There aren't many roads to God. There's only one road to God. Amen. That's the narrow way. And that road to God is by belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what the narrow way is. These are exclusive. Christians were always called in the book of Acts, people of the way. Jesus actually said, and I just want to give you a few verses here. I am the door. He is that door. He says, I am the door. And by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. In John 14, 6, what did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man gets to God but by me. He's telling you plain and clear that this way is the only way that leads to God. It's not the broad way of all religions. It is the narrow way of belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says this, 1 Timothy 2, 5, there is one God. And one mediator between God and man. And it's the man Christ Jesus. Yes. Acts 4.12 says that neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. But the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the truth of the matter is there's only one way of salvation. There's only one Savior. And there is not a drop of saving grace outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's the narrow way. That's what we say. You say, Josh, are you saying that Christianity is right and all others are wrong? You say, Josh, are you saying that Jesus is the only way? I'm not saying that. Jesus said that. And we dare not change what Jesus says. We come to God on God's terms. Not on our terms. And Jesus is the only way to God. There are many errors. There's only one truth. You say, why is Jesus right? And I want to say this just as a sidebar. Why is Jesus the only way? People will ask you that. People in college, you go to college, these young people here, and they'll tell you that, oh, no, no, it's broad. It's, it's open. It, it's all religions lead to God. All of us are climbing a mountain, and, and, and we're going up in different directions. But at the top of that mountain, we get to God. There's a Muslim way, and a Hindu way, and a Buddhist way, and a Mormon way, and a Jehovah's Witness way. And we're all just finding our own way to God. But we say, Jesus says, there's only one way to God. It's through Jesus. Amen. Why is that the case? Well, if somebody asks you that, you tell them, that only Jesus, and I'll do this by three of our biggest holidays. Christmas. Only Christianity has a God who comes down to man. And was born of a virgin. The incarnate, in the flesh, Lord Jesus Christ. And only Christianity has a good Friday. Only Christianity has a God going to a cross and dying on behalf of sinners. Muhammad, get this. Muhammad died of some strange illness that they couldn't figure out what it was. Buddha, which I thought this was kind of ironic, died of food poisoning. Jesus died for our sins. There's a difference. Find me any other religion with a Savior who dies for sins. And then another holiday, Easter. Good Friday proved that Jesus died and he's a man. Easter proves that as Jesus resurrected that he is God. Yes. Declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. No other religion has a living Savior. Amen. Muhammad died of some strange illness and he's in a tomb somewhere right now. Buddha died of some food poisoning and he's in a tomb somewhere right now. And every other religion has their, their, their messiahs and their leaders and they're all dead and they're in a tomb. You can go and visit them. You can take flowers to them. You take pictures of their tomb. But you know what? I saw a picture the other day in Jerusalem of where they say Jesus' tomb was. Guess what? Here it is. It's empty. We're the only religion with an empty tomb. There's only one way to God and it's through Jesus Christ. So we come to God on God's terms and it's through Jesus. I probably went too far on that point, but let's let's move on. So the broad the Broadway is inclusive, and the narrow way is exclusive, and and the Broadway second is cheap. I like this one. And the narrow way is costly. The Broadway is cheap, and that it'll cost you nothing to go that way. The Broadway is cheap, and that it's easy to enter, and you can come as you are, and you can stay as you are, and you can live however you want to live, and do whatever you want to do, and do whatever's right in your own eyes. There's no rules, there's no guidelines, there's no restrictions. It's like trying to play football on a field with no lines. You can go anywhere and do anything you want to do. That's the Broadway. People love that way because they don't want to change anything about themselves. The Broadway. <laughs> has room for man and every single one of his sins. The Broadway, you can bring all your baggage and your hang-ups and not have to repent of any of them. The Broadway has room for the drunkard and his body. Huh. 
The Broadway has room for the gossip and all their lies. The Broadway has room for the idolater and every single idol he wants to bring with him. The Broadway has room for the religious and every single tradition that they're trusting in. You walk the Broadway and you can marry who you want to marry and you can sleep with whoever you want to sleep with. It's a free-for-all. Live how you want. Live it up and do whatever you want to do. Live as you please. Open to all. Bring your baggage. Bring your sin. No surrender. No repentance. All indulgence. Some of you sitting there saying, oh, that sounds pretty good. Wait till I tell you about the narrow way being costly. If the Broadway costs you nothing, the narrow way costs you everything. You have to, get this, before you can walk in the narrow way, you have to confess your sin. Yes. Before you walk in the narrow way, you have to forsake your sin. You're trying to walk in with, imagine somebody walking in on a trip. They're trying to go through a way and they're carrying a backpack full of sin, full of their struggles, full of all the things that they try to live up. Before you can walk in the narrow way, you have to confess all those things, drop all those things, forsake all those things, repent of all those things. You have to leave them all behind. I've decided to follow Jesus. My sin behind me. The cross before me. I'm following Jesus. I've got to give it, give it all up. No baggage. You don't bring none of that with you. You deny yourself. Jesus said, if any man will follow me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and come after me. You've got to deny yourself. Jesus said, count the cost. You're looking at the door, and this one says, do whatever you want to do. It's cheap. It's easy. It's easy to go to hell. Jesus said it's hard to go the narrow way. The cost is high. It's more than a prayer and walking an aisle. Surrendering your life. But guess what? The cost is worth it. If I had 10,000 lives to live, I'd give them all to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. You've got to turn your back on the world. Here you turn your face to the world and go live how the world wants you to live and do what they want you to do. Live, live it up. Eat, drink, and be merry. But here the world may hate you. You may, you may lose family. You may lose friends. You might be hated by the world. That's the cost of the narrow way. One more comparison and I'll move on. The narrow way is costly. The broad way is cheap. The narrow way is exclusive and the broad way is inclusive. Third, the broad way is popular. And the narrow way is unpopular. Look what it says. I want to keep you in the verse. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And how many go in that way? Many. It's a popular way. Move down to verse 14. It says, Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way which leads into life. And few that go that way. The Broadway is popular. The Broadway is like the I 5 highway in Los Angeles, California. And the worst possible traffic time. Eight lanes of traffic going both ways and ain't nobody moving an inch. Everybody going, everybody sitting, everybody, you, you sit there for an hour and nobody moves an inch. It's so crowded, it's so overpopulated. Everybody going in that direction. That's what this is. And, and it's saying it's crowded there. It's popular there. It's an enticing way to go. I mean, I just told you what the Broadway is. You do whatever you want to do. Live however you want to live. Go that way. I mean, how enticing. 
promising is that to the world? It's, it's alluring. It's attractive. It's, it's, it's promising. And in verse 15, if you look down there, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothes. You know what they're doing? There's false preachers everywhere that's pointing people to the wrong way. Here you go, go this way. You turn on the radio, go the wrong way. You go to some churches, go to the wrong way. You turn on the TV, go to the wrong way. You open up a book, go to the wrong way. Everybody's pointing you to the wrong way, the wrong way, the wrong way. It's popular. Flashy lights, curb appeal. Easy to be sucked in. And many, it says, I'll say this, most of the world is on that road. I'll even say this. There are some of you in this room today that are on that road. Because you can have a false religion and still act like you're on the right road and be on the broad road. So it's a popular road. But the narrow way is unpopular. It says here, few. Do you see that? I'm not making that up. Few. I even looked it up in the Greek this week. You know what few means? It means few. <laughs> It's not the way of the crowd. Like the old song says, though none go with me, still I will follow. Luke 13, 23 says this. But you get this. Then said one unto, unto him, talking about Jesus, are there few? Are there few that be saved? Get that question. Are there few that will be saved? How's Jesus going to answer that? Will there be few? Will there be a small amount? Will there be a remnant? Will there be very little amount of people that will be saved? And how did Jesus answer that? He said, oh, no, 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 no. Everybody's going to be saved. We're all on, on, the, on this mountain. And we're... Jesus didn't say that, did he? That's not biblical, is it? What did Jesus say? Jesus said this, strive. To... This was his answer. Are there few that enter in? Are there few that are going to be saved? And Jesus said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many will seek to enter in and shall not be able to. Many will look at it and say, no, that's too restrictive for me. No, that's too tiny for me. I need my sin and I need my way of life. I want to do what I want to do. They'll want salvation. They'll want heaven. But they won't do what's necessary to go the straight way. Amen. Jesus didn't say, yeah, now there are going to be few. He said, you don't worry about how many. You just make sure, make sure you go through the straight way. It's not the way of the crowd. It's not the way of popularity. How many were saved in the flood? Eight. How many were saved in Sodom and Gomorrah? Three. Jesus said few. Now I'll stop there as we look at the two directions you can go. And I'll say, which one do you think? Just looking at it, which way do you want to go? You see the comparison? I'm not leaving you at a decision right now because I've still got two more points to give you, but I'm, I want you to look at it right now. At the end of point number one, which way would you go? But you're sitting there, and I know what you're saying is before we decide, we need to know the final destination of both sides. Am I right? Because you never get on a trip <laughs> and say, ah, who cares where we're going? You always have an end result. You always have a place that you're going to go. The place that you're going to end up. And the most important part of any road is where you end up. So I don't, I don't want to just show you the, the two directions that you can go. I want to show you the two destinations how you end up. Look, look, look there with me. We, we're going to look at this. There's, there's one destination to avoid. And there's one to seek. 
we've seen the two directions, the, the two doors that are side by side. We, we've seen, now we see the destinations, where the road leads. And this is, again, the most important part is where you end up. Many go through life and they have no idea where they're going to end up. Many go through life and they don't know where they're going to end up. They don't care where they're going to end up. They may not even think about where they're going to end up. But we have here two opposite destinations. The doors are side by side, but the destinations are going in two completely opposite directions. It's like when you go to an airport. The doors are side by side. The airplanes are outside the windows, and you've got to look over the doors to see where they're going to go. We were sitting there one day at the airport, and when one door said Los Angeles, and the other one said Bangkok. <laughs> and, and the doors were side by side, but they're going like that. And I looked at Steph, and I said, we better go through the right door. That's a long flight, and I don't speak anything like they speak. <laughs> Mountain boy, and, and uh, I ain't happy. So you have to make sure you go into the right door. So that you end up in the right place. So we want to look at the destinations. Every person in this room will experience one of these two destinations. Because all of us are on one of the two roads. We all will live in one of these two places forever. Amen. Jesus takes us to the end of the road. He says here's where they end up. He doesn't leave us guessing. We see, first of all, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. The broad way seems right, don't it? Proverbs, I think, verse chapter 14, verse 12, says there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is a way of destruction. And everybody thinks that this broad way is so appealing and so alluring and so attractive and I can live how I want to live and I can do what I want to do. There's even churches right now that offer that same thing to people. Call themselves Christian churches and you walk in, they'll say you can have Christ and do whatever you want to do. You can have Christ and you can live however you want to live. You can have Christ and there's no repentance. You can have Christ and there's no restrictions. Just live however you want to live. You know what they're trying to do with that one? They're trying to live both ways. They're trying to go in the narrow way and live the broad way. You can't do that. You can't have, you can't have a foot on both sides. If you're going to enter in, you've got to go all the way in. One or the other. And this Broadway is so alluring, it's so attractive, it's bringing so many people in. And everybody thinks, oh, it's the right way. Oh, it's the good way. Oh, it's right. Oh, it's right. And Jesus said, wait, let's go down the line. Let's follow it to the end. Let's go to the, let's, let's go to the, the end of the precipice and look down over it and see where this road goes. Where does it go? To destruction. He said, what does that word mean? It doesn't sound good. It means ruin. It means loss. It's a word describing the trash heap outside of a city where they burn trash. That's where the broad road leads. To destruction. What is this place of destruction? Matthew 25, 41 says it's a place that is prepared, was prepared for the devil and his angels. That's where this road leads. A place where the devil and his angels go. You want to see a picture of it? Because I told you, Jesus brings us to the end of the road and says, look at the end of this road. And you tell me if you want to go that way. You say, Josh, show us a picture of it. 
It's not a picture that I can put on the screens. It's a picture that I can show you in the Bible. Turn with me to Luke 16. I've told you this before, but it's music to my ears when I hear Bibles turn. Luke 16. I want you, to, I want you to, to visualize this. I want you to get this picture in your minds. This is a picture of destruction. I just can't leave you with destruction. Romans 9 says that they're vessels fit for destruction. Luke 16, verse 19. And there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Had a great life. Eat, drink, and be merry. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his, at, at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and he was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, agony. being in torments. He seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried. And he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. You see the picture? Jesus is taking us to the, the edge. Saying, here's what destruction is. It's agony. It's separation. He goes on. And Abraham said, Son, remember thou that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted. You see that? He's comforted. And thou art, here's that word again, tormented, tortured. And beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them. Tell them, don't go this way. Lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. He said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, then they will repent. They'll turn from this way and they'll go that way. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. It's a picture of torment, of destruction, of agony, of severe pain. You say, How long does it last? Turn with me to Revelation 20. I'll give you one more. I'm going to show you the permanence of this place of destruction. Revelation chapter 20. This is, we're taking it all the way to the end now. Revelation 20, verse 10. If you'll follow along with me one more time here. Verse 10. Revelation 20. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Permanent. Jesus is talking about for keeps here. At the end of this road of the broad way is destruction. 
I'll give you another. Keep on going down through there. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead. This is the great final judgment. When we when the, the stand before God, the dreaded stand here, small and great. That means everybody. Stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was opened, which is the, the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and, and death and hell deliver up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Destruction. Again, this is ruin. Loss. Destruction. This is not a laughing matter. The broad way is a highway to hell. Don't go that way. You say, what's the other one? Go back with me to Matthew 7. Verse 14 says, Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life. Broadway leads to destruction. Eternal, permanent destruction where there's no way out. And the narrow way leads to life. And I love that. He gives us life. And it's not just life at the end of the road, but as soon as you enter in the narrow way, you have life and life more abundant. You don't know life until you know the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest decision you'll ever make is to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Again and again. If I had 10,000 lives to live, I'd give them all to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just life at the end of the road. Oh, it is. But it's life right now. You don't know life until you know the Lord Jesus Christ. Without Christ, you're just living. You're just walking through life. You're like a zombie. But when you know Jesus, you know the fullness and the abundance of, it, of true life. This is life. That's the way of life. And not just life now, but also life later. I love that. Life forever with God. I don't want to say this to be funny, but the broad way is a highway to hell. And the narrow way is a stairway to heaven. There's two ways. So you see here, not all roads lead to God. It's dangerous to say it does. The most damning teaching in the world is a teaching that says all roads lead to God. In reality, all roads lead to hell but one. The way of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, the worst, most damning teaching that you can ever hear, and it is abundant in our society right now, is that all roads lead to God. When only one road leads to God. And it says here again, and I'll move on to the last point. It says here again, and many... You see, I've circled that. Verse 13, many. That's heartbreaking. Many are on the broad road. Many are on... I, I, that word many means most. Most of our society is on the broad road. 
which means most of our society is on the road to hell. Most of our society. And it says here, look, look at this. And most of them don't even know it. That's the scary part. Many people are on the road to destruction and they don't even know it. You say, how do you know that? Watch, watch with me. Verse 13, and many there be which go in there at the road to destruction. Look up with me at verse 22. We'll preach this on homecoming. Many. You see that word? Many. Where would you see that word at? Back down at verse 13. Many. Back up at 22. Many. Many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And thy name cast out devils. I've named them many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. He's saying here that many will, are going down this road and they'll stand before God one day. They'll say, but I, but I, don't you know me? I, I did this and I did that. They'll say, no, 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 I never knew you. There's a great many people on the broad road heading to hell and they don't even know it. There's a there could be people in this room today. I'll say this. There are people in this room today that are on the broad road heading to hell and they don't even know it. And I was one of those people. 23 years old said a prayer and walked an aisle at like five, six years old. And you know what I did? I acknowledged Jesus in the narrow way and I went and walked the Josh way. Did whatever Josh wanted whatever Josh wanted to do, Josh did. Whatever Josh wanted to watch, whatever Josh wanted to listen to, I was, you know, I was all about me some Josh. And thought I was on the narrow way. Thought I was on my way to heaven. And then all of a sudden at the age of 23 sitting in a church service, it's like God came and punched me square in the face. He didn't, but that's what it felt like. You're not saved. You're on the wrong road. Oh, thank God that He told me. Yeah. I'd have opened my eyes in hell and said, what's this? Don't you be that person. May this sermon today punch you square in the face. Not literally again. But open your eyes. Grab you by the shirt collar and say, you're on the wrong road. Many are going to destruction and they don't even know it. You've got to be very careful about which way you're going. You've got to be careful. You've got to know where you're going and where you end up. So now that brings us to decision time. All this information, and I've said it, look, look, look with me, I've had two directions that you go. I've had two destinations that you end up. And I want to show you one decision that you make. One decision. It's a simple choice. Jesus gives us the two hands. He gives us the two choices, the two destinations, the, the two directions that we can go. And, and, and I, don't, I don't think he's doing it in a fair and unbiased way where he's sitting there saying, hey, everybody, here's your two choices. And it's up to you. You make your own decision. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you which way to go. No, he doesn't do that. He says at the very outset. And you guys probably noticed that I, I didn't even talk about that first word. First word in verse 13. He tells us which way to go. He gives us the answer. The test is laid out in front of us. And he's not even whispering it to us. He's shouting it to us. I'll tell you what way to go. Which way do you go? Enter in the straight gate. And he's telling us. He's calling us. Choose the right one. 
He's not giving us a hundred different things to do. He's not giving us five things to do. He's giving us one thing to do. Enter in the straight gate. I love that. You've got to enter in. Every single one of you here today must enter in the straight gate. What do I do to go the Broadway? Nothing. You're already there. But you must enter in the straight gate. The command is, again, he's not telling us go to church, be religious, be born into a good family. No, 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 no. He says enter. I would underline enter if I were you. I would highlight enter if I were you. I will get a star beside enter. That's telling us what to do. It's his command. You say, what does it mean to enter in? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to close the sermon. Here's your decision. You must enter in. Have you entered in? How do I do that? This is the word enter. I'll give you three things about it, okay? You don't think there's that much about enter, is there? It's so simple. If somebody opens up a door for you, you walk through it. So it takes a... I just sit and thought about that. I even did it in my office this week. I opened up the door and I said, how do I enter? And somebody hopes and I'm glad nobody came and watched me just enter in my door. Enter in my door. I thought, that is the easiest thing in the world to do. It's an action. You must enter in. You must take a decisive step to enter in the door. You must... You, you, you don't look at it. You understand me? I, I can look at my door in my office, and I did that. I looked at it, and I thought, that's not entering in. I can admire that door. That's a very, very well done door. <laughs> There's a lot of people that have admired the narrow way and will end up in hell. I can acknowledge the door. You get me? That is a door. <laughs> it's a nice door. It's a good door. But I'm still standing outside the door, am I not? I'm still standing on the outside looking into the door. You know what I must do? And I, and I did that. You don't look at it. You don't admire it. You don't, you don't even talk about it. We do that at church sometimes. You sit and talk about the door. Oh, Jesus is great. And Jesus died. And Jesus was buried. And you talk and you talk and you talk. But you still haven't entered in. There'll be people that know and talk about Jesus that'll end up in hell. You must enter in. It's a decisive act. And, and do that later. Go to my office. I'll let you go to my office. We'll, we'll take turns. <laughs> you don't look at the door. You enter in the door. It's a decisive step of faith where you enter in the door. It's an act of your will where you choose to enter in. You choose to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You must choose. You must decide to step in to the narrow way. So that's the first one. It's an action. Number two, it's all in. Get this. I, I tried it. I'm glad nobody was watching me. I put one foot in and kept one foot out. There's a little line there. And I thought, I'm not in. I'm straddling the fence. I'm not all in here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm half in and half out. And I sit there and I thought, no, no, no. It, 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 I'm either in or I'm out. There's no halfway in between. You're going to be all in with both feet or you're going to be all out with both feet. You can't do both. And there's so many, there's some in this room who are trying to do both. You're trying to play both ends to the middle. you got one foot in on Sunday and one foot out throughout the week. You can't do both. You're all in or you're not in. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. It's so simple as, as I, am I in? Oh, I'm in the door now. 
I'm out of the door now. Which way are you? In? Which way are you? Are you in or are you out? It's all in. There's going to be so many people in hell who tried to play both ends and to go both ways, and you can't do it. Elijah told his people, "How long will you be between two opinions? If Lord be God, follow Him. If Baal is God, then follow Him. But make up your mind one way or the other." Are you with me or are you against me? You've got to be all in. And third, it's personal. It's personal. I could have brought Steph to my door. But she had to enter in. I couldn't force her in, could I? I'd like to see me, me try. <laughs> I could bring my kids to the door. I can push them. <laughs> you know, I'm bigger than they are. I can make them go. You can't make nobody do it. My mom and dad took me to the door and showed me the door and taught me the door. Brought me up knowing the door. But they couldn't go in the door for me. Only I can step in the door. Only I can make that decision. Only I can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's what I must do myself. And nobody else can do it for me. I can't do it for you. Your mom can't do it for you. Your dad can't do it for you. Nobody can make this decision but you by yourself. Oh, I bring my kids to the door all the time. And I'm not talking about my office door. I'm constantly saying, kids, here's the narrow way. Kids, here's the narrow way. Kids, it's Jesus or not at all. Kids, believe in Christ. Believe in Christ. It's over and over and over. I'm bringing them to the door. But they have to reach the point where they decide for themselves, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They must do it for themselves. I wish I could do it for them. Oh, I do. I, I want to grab Christian and say, narrow way, buddy. <laughs> I want to grab Gracie and say, narrow way, honey. I want to grab Emma. She's little. I can throw her. <laughs> narrow way. Isaiah, narrow way. My friends, narrow way. But all I can do is preach it. All I can do is teach it. All I can do is show it. They must enter in on their own. There's people here today that you're trusting your parents' decision. You can't. You're not going to walk in the narrow way because you're not going to stand before God with your mom and dad. You stand alone and you decide alone. That's why I tell people you better bring your kids to church because the world is saying Broadway. You get that? Monday through Saturday, TV, internet, Facebook, everything is pointing our children where? Broadway, Broadway. And we bring them for an hour on Sunday and think one narrow way is good enough? Which way do you think they're going to go? My kids love doing it their own way. Doing it right in my own eyes. I must point them to the narrow way, the Jesus way, the cross way. you got to go to Jesus' way. He said, Josh, why do you preach the gospel every single Sunday? I get that all the time. Why don't you preach some besides the gospel? <laughs> because there's people on the broad way that need to know the narrow way. Right. You need to point it to Jesus every Sunday because the world's pointing you the other way. So it's personal. You must make this decision on your own. You must decide to follow Jesus. You must do that yourself. This is one decision you've got to make on your own. You decide. And I'll say this, the greatest decision you'll ever make in life is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
If I had 10,000 lives to live, I'd live them all for Jesus. Amen. So now it's time to make a choice. Here's the opportunity. Here's the chance. Moses said it in Deuteronomy 30. I set in front of you life and death. I set in front of you life and destruction. Decide. Don't you love that right now, right now, the door of the narrow way is wide open. And I said in John 10, Jesus is that door. And I say this every Sunday, and I hope, I hope that at the end of my life, that there's ever a picture of me out there in that foyer. Now, I have to be here like 35 years to get that. But if there's ever a picture out there of me on that foyer, that it's not a picture of me, just my face. I hope it's a picture of me with my arms wide open, saying, come. Yeah. Because that's how Jesus was. Come unto me. Amen. The door is wide open today for you wide open for you today. If you're here today and there's the slightest bit of doubt which way you're on, I urge you, I encourage you, I beg you, I plead with you, please enter in the narrow way. Please believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the, the way is open. The way is clear. I couldn't make it any more clear. We plead, we beg, we, we warn. Hell is awful. Hell is unending. Hell is avoidable. If you enter in. But you must enter in. You say, how do I enter, Josh? Give me something to do. Say this. I have decided to follow Jesus. Yeah. That's it. Count the cost. It could cost you everything. But it's worth it. While we pray, say these words, I have decided to follow Jesus. And if you want to put it in a very personal way, I have decided to follow you. And it'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. Yes. If there's any doubt in here, say that prayer. I have decided to follow you. You guys know that one of my favorite songs in all the hymns I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Yes. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. My favorite one. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. Can you say today, I have decided to follow Jesus? And if you have, I know you know what I know. It is the greatest decision you ever made in your yeah. life. And if you haven't, and I urge you, at any time, that door could shut. Like the ark, they built and they built and they built and they begged and they begged and they warned and they warned and they warned, but one day the door shut. The opportunity is gone. One day the door to the narrow way will shut for you. One day that door will shut. He has brought you to the very 
edge of the door today. But you must enter in. And I pray by the power of the Spirit, because I, I think that's what it took for me sitting in a pew 15 years ago. I was at the door, entering in the narrow way, thinking about it. We started the service with this, and I'll end it with this. And I think the Holy Spirit did it. And blew me right in on the narrow way. And I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit today, that you will be urged and you will be moved to decide to follow Jesus today. Because I can testify that's the greatest decision I ever made. And if I had a thousand lives to live, I'd live them all for Jesus. So if you're here today and you're lost, I urge you to believe today. Enter in today. Decide today. And if you're here today and you're saved, do this for me. As I pray and as the music plays, pray that somebody be saved today. Pray with me. May there be a hundred people in this room today praying for that one who the Holy Spirit is urging and pleading with. May you today pray with me, please. Let's pray together. Father, I pray, that's very simple, I pray that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would, would work in the heart to convict and convert someone here today. That they would see the only way. They would see the, the narrow way and they would enter in. Please, God, do that. Please, God, move in that way. If there's one here, they don't have to walk the aisle, they don't have to say a prayer, but in their pew they can say, I decide now to follow Jesus. With all that I am, I am all in with Jesus. May they do that today. Please, please, I've prayed all week, I'm praying now. May we all pray around this room. Please, God, work in the heart of someone here today. May it be someone in the pews, could be someone online, but God, please, may one enter in the narrow way today. Bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.